what if? I, 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 I did see the new 007 adventure, which means for the next week, I'm better than you. He's not, you know, for once, he's not being sarcastic. <laughs> and then I had a dream that I was in the squid game. And it was so scary. Uh, I read two issues of What If, by the way, for this in preparation. Call it two issues. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I've read far more than that. This isn't part of the story, and this was a waste of my 75 cents. That's why my opinion is so authoritative. People who don't know you and just listen to the podcast are going to think you guys are alcoholics or something. What the hell are you talking about? Well, everyone was like, this is shit. I've seen all the Halloween movies. Uh, I hate most of them. But you won't watch Battlestar Galactica. No. <laughs> Where are you going to go with a sentence that begins, well, you know, speaking of Dirk Benedict. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Max and Jason Watch a Movie and Discuss a Television Show. I'm Jason. And I'm Anya. And I'm Max. And today we will be discussing a television show called What If? And it's a new Marvel television show that ponders the question, what if our favorite and most well-understood events of the MCU turned out differently? What if something happened in the great multiverse of possibilities? In the show, there's a guy who seems to watch over all all of these different universes where things turn out differently. And his he's called The Watcher. And they don't give him his name in the show, do they? They never say his name. He's The Watcher. His name's Uatu. His name is Uatu, Jason. <laughs> uh, Jason, folks, if you could have seen the expression of, of sadness that Jason was just called out on this. So so the sh before we get into the television show, I want to talk a little bit about the comic book series on, on which it was based, which is kind of a visionary idea started by basically one of Stan Lee's most, one of, one of Marvel's most important uh, writers, editors, creators at Marvel, and sort of Stan Lee's right-hand man for a long time, uh, Roy Thomas. We've talked about Roy Thomas before on our Conan podcast. He was the guy who helped pave the way to bring Conan to Marvel, but he came up with this idea, probably not by himself, and no, nothing in comics happens by itself, to have this what-if storyline where we, where we sort of imagine if things had turned out differently. And anyway, he proposed this, and, and the first issue of What If came out in February of 1977 and the first issue was what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four and oh, yeah. I I read this issue in preparation for the show and so very classically folks Marvel fans have known what this story was nobody who read what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four had to be told necessarily that Spider-Man had originally tried to join the Fantastic Four way back in his in, in his series heyday in his early days of his, of his series but they rejected him because they didn't and trust him in and but Uwatu Watu takes us through the watcher that is takes us through the those events that we've seen and then he says but what if this event had turned out differently what if Reed Richards or Sue Storm hadn't said oh well that kid's just hope that hope things go well for him but instead in this universe parallel to our own which is I think the the main Marvel universe that we all get stories from on you where's that from what what universe is that oh, 616 Marvel universe 616 but in this universe Sue Storm says wait Spider-Man and Spider-Man right. Spider comes back and he joins the X uh, he joins the Fantastic Four he doesn't not the X-Men sorry he joins the Fantastic Four and Reed Richards basically clears his record and J. Jonas Jameson's like what have you guys not read my paper and 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 Reed Richards says well, no I vouched for him the crimes that you accused him of in of trying to harm NASA <laughs> 
Jason Jameson really had it in for Spider-Man. We're all disproven. We know who Pe- we know who Spider-Man is, and I vouch for him. And then Jason Jameson's like, well, you know, I just play devil's advocate. Hey, put her there, Spider-Man. And he basically, Jason almost spit out his hot toddy audience. Uh, yeah, uh, he's just asking questions. Yeah, he's just asking questions. He's the he's the Alex Jones of of sixties media. But everybody basically kind of gives up. Uh, on being hateful towards Spider-Man and they're very happy to see him join the Fantastic Five. And what happens here though is that like Reed sidelines Sue a little bit because he keeps her out of the dangerous missions now that Spider-Man's there. And what happens is Sue leaves the Fantastic Four. This is before she's married Reed or she's committed to Reed. And she goes to Namor in the issue. So they're back to being the Fantastic Four at the end of at the end of the issue. And the, the neat thing about these issues is that they're all double sized. Uh, they're really the early issues were really thick issues. What is kind of funny though is like how how tough the team is as the Fantastic Five because they go up against a few of Spider-Man's villains and of course the Vulture has no business going up against the Fantastic Four let alone the new Fantastic Five, right? So they basically mop the floor with a lot of classic FF villains and and Spider-Man villains. But but then at the end Sue Storm goes and uh, reads a little sad and Peter feels very bad at the end of the issue. He says, oh, I feel like this is all my fault. And at the end, the, the last line of the issue, well, I guess among the main characters is like, ah, you probably didn't have anything to do with it. It probably would have happened this way no matter what you did. But we know, audience, that that's not the case. So that's basically the premise of What If. I'm sorry if I've gone over long, guys, but what if the stories had come out differently? Yeah. Uh, Uwatu, the bald-headed watcher, takes us through these things. Yes. Did you guys ever read um, the What If Craven Had Killed Spider-Man issue? No, I did not. That one is wacky. The other issue I read, in, I didn't read that. The other issue I read in preparation for this was was about the Hulk and what if he had gone berserk and in that. Which is not really a what if. Yeah. <laughs> I know, yeah, like that, that's happened a lot. But the difference here in this one is that Banner didn't get to throw Rick Jones into the ditch. He was just able to shield him with his body. Mm. And so in that, in that issue, they become telepathically linked. So anything that happens to Rick, Banner feels and, and vice versa versa though because rick didn't get in the ditch he's sort of dying from the from the beginning of the of uh, the issue basically but hulk and he are, are linked uh, psychically and uh, hulk tries to leave at some point the generals figure out hey we can we can hurt uh rick mildly they think with some electricity to bring hulk back because they need to try and stop him i guess they accidentally kill rick jones in the process of mildly shocking him and that <laughs> that, that drives hulk crazy and he yeah. in this issue he kills johnny storm he he kills Ben Grimm. He uh, almost kills Reed Richards. This is the issue that was kind of a legend among comic collectors. Jason Jason actually talked to me a little bit about it way back in the day. I don't know if you'd read it, but but it was his it was his evidence, if you can call it that, that Thor was tougher than Hulk. And 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 I, I still don't I still don't I still don't cotton to Jason's hypothesis here. I think they're fairly equal, but Thor has some advantages. But Thor ends up killing Hulk at the end. Uh, he breaks Hulk's neck just before. This is back in the day when he always had to keep his hammer or he would turn back into Donald Blake. Hulk knocks the hammer out of his hand and Thor's like, oh, I got to do something or this guy's going to go crazy. And it pains me to do this. But then he broke Hulk's neck. And that's a pretty bit of, that's a bit of a downer, that issue in that one. But yeah, the art was pretty good. What happened in the, the Craven issue? Well, so... So Craven kills Spider-Man and Craven's whole thing as a hunter is you have to eat the being you killed to gain its strength. Ooh. So Craven buries Spider-Man on his property.
property and he starts eating Spider-Man's body and then will go out at night dressed as Spider-Man to be the new Spider-Man. And Mary Jane is like, that's not Peter. (laughs) And and then she enlists the help of Daredevil and Captain America. And it's kind of noir-y, like um, those two are trying to figure out what happened to Peter. And then they stumble, they they realize Craven did something and then they stumble upon the scene of Craven eating Peter's dead body in the rain. Oh, that's a little grim. <laughs> it's pretty grim. <laughs> Jason, do you have a do you have a favorite what if ep- issue that you read uh, or 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 uh, the one that I remember most is what if Jane Foster had found the Hammer of Thor uh, and and the, the only difference in the story is that Jane Foster accompanied Donald Blake to the vacation to Norway and she's the one that ends up finding the staff and striking it and uh, I haven't read that issue yet but it's in my book was it good did you like it I I, I liked it a lot because uh, you know she goes to Asgard and uh, Odin is like who are you <laughs> like where's my son and this kind of thing and um, so yeah I, I found it to be a lot of fun I have flipped through the book to see different issues and I, I know I saw that there was an issue in the first run in the first in the initial like 25 issues uh, there's like one that was like what if Hulk what if Hulk had not lost his mind and been Bruce Banner and been really smart um, yeah. there are lots of other what if the Avengers had been the members of the Marvel bullpen That's uh, awesome. you know Stanley is Captain America and it's quite funny looking stuff but I did notice in that what if Jane Foster had become Thor she looks very jaunty like she looks very happy to be in the costume it's really <laughs> kind of funny like just, like she's always she always looks like she's like really raring to be Thor in that issue it's it's quite it's it, it, it's full of energy the the issue so that takes us to the series do you have any trivia Jason do you have any have you looked into any of the production of the show not not really because I mean to me a lot of the production is pretty obvious I mean obviously uh, the uh, Marvel Studios uh, has done a, a great job of taking the MCU which was originally just a series of connected films and turning it into a series of television shows movies action figures breakfast cereals and, and things like that and this is just a, a to me a, a, a very logical kind of progression for those who, who have seen the um, the show Loki uh, because Marvel's done a, a series of, of very good television shows that have kind of expanded the universe and, and kind of opened things up for the films to even go in different directions. And I think that this show is a very logical step in that process to kind of go back to an original comic book, which I did collect for a while, by the way. Yeah. And to take that and turn it into a cartoon series that maybe should be taken seriously, but maybe not. I mean, yeah. you know, maybe it's kind of flippant. Maybe it's just, oh, you know, what if this? Maybe these are things that we're supposed to really, that are really going to tie into things. We don't know that yet. This is just another effort by Marvel to pay homage to a, a past series that some people remember, some people have never heard of, and to try to recast it in a way that kind of ties into what they're trying to do. But not recast it very much because a lot of our actors from the MCU have returned. So this is a question I have for you guys. Is this canonical? I think that it's canonical as in it's in the multiverse. Like it's not in the 
the MCU like universe, whatever number that one is, but it, it exists in the multiverse that they've created. But can it, I have a question about that as uh, about the end of the show, because I think they don't, they kind of link it to the MCU at the end, possibly, possibly. Yes. In which way? At the end of the show, audience, we're talking about a show that's been out for a while. So I hope that none of what we're about to say comes as a shocking, well, obnoxious, they're already listening. They're already listening to the episode. So. Okay. Okay. So. You guys, are, you guys know as Anya just, just. This is your fault. It's my fault. Um, it's the audience's fault. At the end of the show, at the end of the, yeah, yeah, it's your fault, audience. Your fault. To us. Why do you do that? But at the end of the, at the end of the, the series, Uatu deposits Black Widow in a universe where Black Widow's dead. I don't think it's the MCU though. It's the MCU universe. I've decided. It's not. <laughs> It could be, couldn't it be? It would be cool, but Scarlett Johansson and Disney are not on good terms. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with Anya. I, I, I did not think that at all. Because it looked like it was the fight in New York, and Black Widow had died before. Oh, yes, the fight in New York. Yeah. Okay, okay, that, okay. You're, you're probably right then. You're probably right then. But yeah. I thought that there was a way for them to bring her back. As well, I, I've been wondering if this is not one of the things that things like What If and uh, say Ultimates and other little experiments that Marvel's done with characters that we like a lot there's sort of testing grounds for new ideas and like sometimes the the fruits of those tests end up in the mainline universe in the 616 or you know uh and maybe in this case maybe in the mcu like miles morales is probably eventually going to end up in the mcu the same way he ended up in 616 i think Uh, think with multiverse of madness and far from home uh or no no way home that it's probably going to open up more opportunities just like loki and wandavision did because yeah yeah and so so i wonder if this is in a way for them to say, you know, we can very quickly pipe in new things if we have a multiverse. So, do, you guys, do you guys have any, Jason, you, you seem to have an idea about this. I, I Well, I have a thought because I, I understand what you're saying. And um, so far, I am not certain that they're using what if to pipe in new ideas. Actually, so far, I even after seeing the whole thing, I still think that this is a sideline kind of thing. Okay. And I know other people probably have different ideas about that. But this is connected Connected to the whole idea of you know the the skewed timelines and the Loki show, mm-hmm. that is the case. I am not convinced, as you were about to suggest with your theory, that they intend to retcon anything with any of these characters that they're doing with anything that they're doing with this show. Well, maybe not, maybe not. But with the multiverse and and, I, I, and uh, the other things, it certainly seems like it, Marvel is giving themselves a way. They don't have to retcon; they just have to con because you can pull somebody in from one of these new universes like they can bring in all of those characters from Sam Raimi's Spider-Verse without having to retcon anything you know oh come on at this point we all know that's going to happen well yeah but what I'm saying is that they don't have to retcon anything the the multiverse is going to allow them to bring in some of those great characters without yes. having to like play with continuity at all yes I totally agree with that but that is a connection to the Loki show not a connection to this show I that's do fair. Not- that's fair yeah. what I'm saying is is that I think this show so far is just playful. Oh, it definitely is that. Yeah, it's just like an, it's like an exploration of characters we've met before, but in yes. different lives and stuff. But but guys, guys. <sighs> 
I need more Jeffrey Wright in my MCU. I think it's very possible that Oowatu could make a live action appearance because he's the watcher. He watches everything. Yes, we, and we have seen watchers in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So that would before, be... we, before we move on, guys, I want to, I've been thinking about this a lot and I don't want to consign poor Jeffrey Wright to consistently playing bald Marvel characters, but... If you're going to do the MCU X-Men, could Jeffrey Wright be Xavier? Could we have him be Xavier for me? I don't think so. What? Why not? Why not? I don't know, because Patrick Stewart is Xavier. And that's that. Well, he's not coming back, is what I've heard. No, so he's doing Picard, so I don't maybe he can he can be talked into anything after a few after a few beers, maybe. Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> He's also a Watu. Jeffrey Wright. Whoa, you're both wrong. Jeffrey is Felix Leiter. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, no. Felix Leiter from the Bond films. Jeffrey Wright can be in any of these things, and it's fine. That's 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 okay, Anya. I don't, I don't know. Wouldn't he be a great Watu. Xavier, though? I'm, 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 I'm with Max. I uh, Because he's also, he's great uh, in Westworld, uh, which I only saw the first season of, which the first season is great. I didn't watch it after that. But uh, Jeffrey Wright is fantastic. Uh, by the way, folks both listeners and my my co-host jeffrey wright is in the new james bond film you should see it tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that uh but uh he does uh, return as felix Leiter, and actually i i can kind of see just having seen him on the big screen just two days ago that i i can see what max is talking about i i could totally see him as professor well, I, I was thinking about him of course I, I always like try and figure out where i can put jeffrey wright in a film or in an adaptation I think and sorry, I'm, sorry for interrupting you. <laughs> should be, you should be. Um, I, I was gonna keep doing it though. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly have something important to say. Go ahead and take it away. I think he'd Why be really good. Gonna... What? <laughs> Go ahead, Anu. Okay, I'm currently looking at pictures of Jeffrey Wright, and I'm sure he'd be okay. I don't hate the idea of him as Professor X, but I think he'd be a really good Hank McCoy. Okay, okay, I, it's fine with me. I just need Jeffrey Wright more. He can play all of the X Men at once. Ooh, sort of like uh, didn't Peter Cushing do something like that? He was like every character in a movie or something like that. I don't oh, know. So uh, Anya, what's funny is that you've gone from oh he can't be Professor X to oh shit he can play all of them. Well, that was that was a joke. <laughs> to appease my father but <laughs> no but I, i'm looking up pic- pictures of him and it, i think he would be fine as professor x it's the voice plus the the way he plays uh do, do you remember do you guys remember him from hunger games in the second series like he's such I, a good good guy or in that really depressing netflix movie about he him and the wolves i just think jeffrey wright's so good i wouldn't mind seeing him but but of course anya you you, you make a good point about his his current status as commissioner gordon which he looks great in is that he's such a chameleon actor i think that he would be I, and, and he and he, he became an animated character for this show i think that it shows his versatility. He can do it. Incredible. Right. Someone actually suggested Ralph Fiennes as Professor X. Jason, what do you what what's the verdict from Michigan? <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm 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 overwhelmed with opportunities to talk about James Bond because he also in James Bond. He's the current M, <laughs> and is also in No Time to Die, which is in theaters now. <laughs> Full disclosure, audience: Jason was raised by Ian Fleming and is good friends with the Broccoli's, who are the producers of the James Bond. Yeah, boy, you guys are you guys are setting the table for me just great. I, oh, this is this is amazing. I 
I'm I'm a little less inclined to that. Okay. Uh, and, and, and I think the reason is is because now I'm trying to picture him bald. Who, Ralph Fiennes? And I'm not seeing it. Isn't he isn't he just a bald man? No. Jason, Jason was showing you what a bald man looks like there. <laughs> I'll do that again. Um, sorry. That was <laughs> that was not nice of of me as a co-host or a friend, Jason. I apologize. Um, uh, no, I, I um maybe in Red Dragon. I think he's kind of bald in that, but he's also bald in Harry Potter. He is bald, <laughs> and he has no nose. Also in that, film. not usually no, not not. Well, it looks like it's a receding hairline. No, uh, <laughs> but, but again, as as has been established, that could be me. So I, I could play Professor X. Well, Jason. I would go see a movie in which you play Professor X. You were great in Macbeth. <laughs> Jason was in Macbeth, everybody, in uh, Richmond at Richmond Civic Theater. I don't remember who he played. Young Seward. Young Seward. You're not the one who. Are you the one who says Leon Macbeth? Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're giving me too much credit. I, I I had a couple lines. Almost had my eye stabbed out by a sword accident. <laughs> Wowed people with some sparks and then died. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, it was a spectacular performance. The only reason why I went to see the show. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, I made my Jeffrey Wright pitch. It's 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 received one yay, uh, one one enthusiastic yes, and one lukewarm appease the father yes. But right. uh, so. Uh, I suppose we should get into the series itself. Anya, do you want to give us the synopsis or the titles of the show, however much you want to give us? Yeah, well, it's a nine-episode series. Uh, it starts off with the kind of what-if version of Captain America, the first Avenger, and it reverses the roles of Peggy Carter and Steve. And also the dad, Tony Stark's dad, has a much bigger role in, in this world. And um, in the end, it's Peggy that st- steps through time. It's a, like a range of differently but that's the gist and then there's what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord and it's just Yondu kidnaps T'Challa accidentally instead of Peter Quill because of the vibranium surge and he thinks it's like a alien source or something and then three is what if the world lost its mightiest heroes which is where Hank Pym becomes a serial killer and murders all of the Avengers before the team can form and then Nick Fury and Loki have to team up and defeat evil Hank Pym which is kind of the start of the arc of downers in the show when it goes to what if Doctor Strange has lost his heart instead of his hands which is where Christina dies in a car accident and then a really gruesome morbid version of Groundhog Day ensues for the next 30 minutes <laughs> yes yes Finn, Finn uh, my son audience uh, was like well I didn't like that one that much <laughs> something like that anyway go on that one was very sad yeah. and then number five is what if dot 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 zombie um and so it starts off hulk is blasted from the asgardian ship and he gets there and he's there's no one there to greet him because the world has been overtaken by zombies and there's just like a group of uh, heroes left which is a really cool team that we don't get to see in the live action it's like spider-man uh wasp bucky um the leader of the dora milaji i don't remember her name and that's really good and also sad and then there's what if killmonger rescued tony stark and that one tony stark never becomes Iron Man and then Killmonger takes control of Wakanda. And then my favorite one, number seven, what if Thor were an only child? Um, That might be my favorite too, but I'm I'm, I'm on the fence. Go on. Well, that's just him and Loki have a much healthier relationship in this world. They do. Uh, (laughs) They do. They never had to 
compete for their father's love. And he's just a party boy and kind of um, an idiot and just a, a lovey, lovely chap. Yes, well, yes, they all are. Very clueless guy. But keep going. Before we before I derail this, this synopsis with my chatter, continue, sorry. And then eight and nine are kind of like, a, I would maybe consider them a two-parter. Eight, Agreed. Yeah, eight is what if Ultron won? And that that's explains itself like most of the other titles but it's um it's age of ultron but then all the avengers get killed and he wins and he has the vision's body and natasha and clint are the only survivors and then when thanos shows up to snap half of existence out of reality ultron just cuts him in half and takes all of the stones and um what stones for audience members who might listeners who might not have any idea about that which you speak the infinity stones that explains everything go on yep (laughs) those two people that are listening to this podcast and watch this cartoon without watching any of the mcu (laughs) exactly well i keep holding out hope that my mom will eventually listen to this show uh, (laughs) and she will need to know what what's what the stones are are they birthstones i what are they talking about what stones could they be talking i don't i think it's in that one that ultron sees the the watcher watching him and then he breaks through the multiverse and scares the shit out of uatu and then uatu goes to dark doctor strange and is like i need your help which leads us into number nine in the final episode which is what if the watcher broke his oath which is of course not to intervene in any of the meanderings and events of all of the multiverses that he watches and he puts together the team of all of the characters from all past nine episodes and to fight ultron vision man and um what's this team called on do you remember what the team is called guardians of the multiverse yes that i thought that was pretty nice yeah yeah it's captain carter killmonger party thor star lord t'challa dark doctor strange and then black widow from the what if ultron one and is that all of them i think so i think so and watch of course there before we go on do you do you guys have a couple favorite episodes of the series like you anya's just given us a really nice little synopsis of the the series and she's also told us her favorite were were there other episodes that stood out to you that you really liked the zombies one i really liked that one okay and did you like the series overall did you enjoy the series did you like it just did yeah i did it was fun and it was nice to have these um kind of short digestible episodes about characters that we kind of know and we kind of don't and it was just like easy to to watch and yeah go ahead i'm sorry i interrupted you (laughs) it was a little different from loki and wanda in in that um aspect yeah it was it was it gave us a lot more flavors of the marvel universe i thought than than those focus shows yeah jason yeah no i i i I like kind of the disposable element of it. And I guess that my favorite episodes. So there's two things. Max will know this. And actually, I mean, even listeners of our podcast, maybe people who heard the Invasion of the Body Snatchers podcast might know that I, or the Omen podcast, that I love kind of downer endings that make you reflect and kind of take the air out of you. So I kind of liked the episodes that were a little bit more Twilight Zone-like, like almost frightening. So I would say that my favorite ones were I like that uh, the one where the Avengers were all killed you know the world lost its mightiest heroes I, lo- I loved the Doctor Strange one that was very poignant I thought I, I, I adored that one because it it was almost like a horror movie you just hit on something that I really like it was very it was very Twilight Zone it was very 
almost it was almost like that parabolic uh and i mean para as in parable storytelling of of that show of the twilight zone you know like look at this guy he's made this decision and it's been a disaster i i i, thought, I think that's a great a great comparison yeah and and uh he realizes mistake at the end he asks for help the help is denied there, there's something that about it that really affected me quite a lot the zombies one was was great i i like that one it did channel the walking dead just a little too specifically but it was well done and i enjoyed it i i also really really love killmonger rescuing tony stark and i love that one for a reason that actually it's not my favorite but it might be the one that I would point to the most as being kind of thematic of this series because I personally preferred the, the Twilight Zone downer endings. <laughs> But the Killmonger Rescue Tony Stark ending was a downer ending with just a slight sunrise on the horizon. Yes. Uh, as was, um, uh, no, not that one. But but the uh, Killmonger Rescue Tony Stark was just, there was this um, kind of alliance formed in the last scene that kind of implied that, you know, things might actually turn out okay in, in this universe. And I liked that a lot. So I would say actually those were my favorites. You guys are going to kill me, and then you're going to, I, I'm going to say this, you're going to crucify me, and then you're going to both, like, gang up on me. My least favorite episode was the Thor uh, being an only child. What? Podcast over. <laughs> now, I, look. Jason, uh, Jason, Jason, Jason. No, no, I, I agree with uh, some of the few things that you guys have said so far. And, and I'm, I'm sure you can elaborate a little bit more. But, you know, that Loki and Thor, they're getting along because they didn't have to grow up together. I get that. That's that's all great. I actually felt like that, um, and, and, and I do remember that there were some what-if comics that were a little bit more kind of tongue-in-cheek but this was a little too tongue-in-cheek for me and max you might remember this there was a and actually there might be comic listeners who are listening who might remember this there was a there was a month in the mid 80s where marvel decided to let the shock troops of marvel comics write all of the comics for that month and it was all a lot of bullshit and a lot of comedy and and as a child i was annoyed as fuck about it because there were all these titles. Actually, I, I think it might have been the early 80s. I think it might have been Secret War. It might have been 83 or 84. And there were a lot of, like, joke issues yeah. that maybe other people were amused by, but I was really pissed off because, <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I was kind of enjoying the story, and this isn't part of the story, and this was a waste of my 75 cents. And that's how I felt about this episode. I felt that it turned Jane Foster into, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually very surprised that she chose to to voice this episode because she she kind of plays does Natalie Portman she kind of plays Jane Foster as kind of this woman who's so enamored of Thor that she will abandon almost everything to just kind of kind of lean into this romance with him and that's and to me that's not her character I mean granted in the films she is very enamored of him but she's enamored of him because of who she sees him becoming and I I didn't like that I found the episode to be kind of an insult. Me. <laughs> no. I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You guys will have your chance. 
to me, I was insulted because I felt like that these were not the characters that I saw in the original Thor film. I, I, I understand why Thor was different and I understand why Loki was different. That made sense because that was the what if dynamic. I The rest of it, I didn't get. I, I it, it annoyed me. That's how I felt when I saw Black Widow. I felt personally insulted. <laughs> I, I know, I know. For me though, for me though, it was sort of a continuation of the kind of storytelling that we saw in Thor Ragnarok, which I wanted, I actually wanted to hit on this episode a little bit. That show has, that movie, Thor Ragnarok, has definitely in a fundamental way altered the character of Thor. It's a much more comedic series now. And I think that the film was sort of, I think that What If, the What If episode of Party Thor was sort of tapping into that new element of Thor, which is not the brightest guy, he means well, which uh, not the brightest guy bit will make Norse mythology purists pretty happy. Thor wasn't necessarily bright, but he he meant well most of the time. But it is sort of leaning into that comedic element, which Chris Hemsworth does really well. And so I, I appreciated it because it seemed to be a kind of continuation of that. Is it Taika Watiti? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. The, the direction he's sort of taken Thor in and, and the direction that Chris Hemsworth has really thoroughly embraced. And so I, I enjoyed that. If there's something that I, if there's a criticism I had of it, and it's just a little pet peeve of mine, as a person who grew up in our era of, of comic book lore and, and mythology, it's hard to see Thor or Hulk be the not as not the most powerful characters. And the MCU has clearly set Captain Marvel up as, as its basic Superman, like it's the she's the top of the pyramid now and i i i don't like seeing thor and hulk below the top of the pyramid i like to see them at least neck and neck with whoever's at the top of 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 our terrestrial heroes so i don't like thor being the punchline of 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 the more powerful of a more powerful character busting him up you know i don't like that very much well the fight they had neither of them won no that's true that's true but but hinting that she was going to do that captain marvel was going to do something extra to him or something like that. I was just a little annoyed by that. But I did I did enjoy I did enjoy I did enjoy seeing Freya. I I like that character. I, I was I was I was really sad in in uh, Dark World when she died. I was like, no, Frigga, Frigga, sorry, Frigga. No, she she's Martin Riggs's girlfriend, w- lady friend, is what I say anytime I see that actress on. I can't kill her off. But I I really did like seeing Thor and Loki. Uh, that 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 almost made the episode for me. Thor and Loki being besties. I liked that because that's what they were. That's what that's what they should be. That's what they were meant to be. Other my other favorite episodes, I think probably the last two I like the last two a lot because I was really surprised that there was an arc to the show I didn't realize that they were setting us up and that was really neat a bit uh, but I have a little small problem with how easily Ultron just dispatches Thanos at the I was like oh come on let's, let's have a little fight at least you can't just twain him you can't you can't you can't cut him in twain that quickly that I thought was a little too easy I thought that shit was hilarious what <laughs> Yeah, it it, it it was funny, but I I actually I I the reason I agree with Max is that there was there was a marker set at the very beginning of Avengers: Infinity War when Loki said we have a Hulk and the Hulk attacks Thanos and in the theater all of us are thinking oh he's in trouble now is Thanos and and Thanos he handles the Hulk surprisingly easily. Yep. 
And so, look, and anyone that has seen Avengers: Infinity War knows that 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 uh, that that, or, or excuse me, Age of Ultron, that Ultron is difficult to contend with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to dis- to destroy Thanos in inside of two seconds, that yeah. that's not really just because because I feel like we know that even though Ultron could defeat the Hulk, would not be within two seconds. No, no. So that I, I sort of thought that was a especially since we were kind of returning to those serious episodes you know what i mean uh yeah. we left the tongue-in-cheek episode so it didn't read to me as funny on you just because we weren't we weren't we weren't in that genre anymore i didn't think but I thought it was funny i just thought it was dumb <laughs> i was shocked yeah i was shocked too but it, the it's the episode the violence of what if was kind of crazy for a disney plus i thought yeah also it's not just ultron it's ultron in vision's body which is considerably more powerful than uh, Ultron. Good point. That's a good point. And Vision has a different mind that than Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. And but, so, any, so, so we've talked about episodes we liked a lot. Before we dive deeper into the arc of the show, were there any episodes that you thought they made that that didn't work for you? Anya? Jason just talked about the episode he didn't like. <laughs> yeah, he did. He was he was very awful. Uh, 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 it's a little it's a little uh, upsetting for somebody who led me to appreciate. Thor to diss an episode that just centered around our hero uh, Thor. That's why my opinion is so authoritative. <laughs> authoritative. Did you say authoritative? He said, "Well, it was a authoritative. Yeah, authoritative." Lord Puns is going to cast me out. All right, so no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, I, was, I really dug uh, the introduction of some characters, though. I I, uh, I liked Captain Carter a lot. I hope that Marvel figures out a way to bring her into the main MCU universe. I, I would like to see more Captain Carter, or just give her her own like alternate universe movies. That would be fun. I like the Killmonger episode because it very clearly established what I think a lot of people who talked about the Black Panther movie missed. Killmonger is an awful person. Now he's he's been made that way. He's certainly not some of it was some of some of who he was was what happened to him but at the end of the day Killmonger is a piece of shit and I was happy to see that all of that bullshit about worrying about the world uh, worrying about others just he's that's not really what he's about he's about Killmonger is about elevating himself because he could have just said okay guys well you don't want to help me that's fine I've got these infinity stones bye but instead he was going to kill them audience come at me <laughs> if you think Killmonger is worth defending here I hope you don't but I liked i liked the way they played with some of the characters uh did were there any, were there any standout things for you guys we've talked about favorite episodes but were there story licks that you guys really really thought well man they nailed it well i want to say that i wasn't offended by anything in the show unlike jason because um <laughs> I didn't see it like it is renditions of characters we know but I was also like they can do literally anything in this because it's not the main continuity like I wasn't like oh well that's not what that person would do because it's a whole different reality and I was I kind of it's like um, the ultimates or whenever like writers have the freedom to write whatever they want like I was really fine with whatever they did okay yeah but I think one of my favorite character arcs in the show was Peter and zombies we almost got more back 
backstory about Peter in zombies than we did in some of the movies. And um, just, uh, I don't know, the emotional weight in zombies I thought was was really good. And just how he would interact with characters that he hasn't really gotten a chance to interact with on the big screen. It was really that, fun. That, that's a very good point. And that, so I got to ask both of you, because I, I actually felt like they were kind of implying that the situation was creating kind of this romantic realization or consciousness between Janet the Wasp and Peter, which I found to be very interesting. And and it kind of made, uh, that's what I felt. And, and it kind of made sense to me because the situation, you know, there was all this kind of a different connection between all the characters because of what was happening. And it was, it was a little bizarre. Uh, so I got, I guess I want to ask you guys about this as well. It was a little bizarre, the whole Chris Pratt as Ant-Man animated head thing. Was it, was Chris Pratt Ant-Man? Yes, he was. Cause I love, not, not Chris Pratt. I'm sorry. Paul Rudd. Okay. Yeah. That work-ish, but was a little on the edge for me. Yeah. No, they found, they found the head at, where'd they find the head? At the New Jersey place from Winter Soldier. Gotcha. gotcha. I wasn't getting romance vibes between Peter and Janet. I was getting, was. I was getting like, because when she died, he reacted very emotionally, but I just think that he's a young kid and he also has a capacity to love that some of these other people have been jaded and so they don't react in the way that he does. I just think that's his character, but... I'd have oh. to watch the episode again. I don't think I got romance vibes either. I got, I got, I got, I got friendship vibes and like, I yeah, think things that you see in those, what I was getting was like a lot of times these people have to sacrifice themselves in the zombie world and I, I got that emotional pain of, of another friend going down. Well, I didn't think that the Hulk in that, when he goes and holds them off, I think he's probably fine. I don't think the zombies can hurt him. Yeah, I, 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 I think he, I think he did. I think he did a perfect holding action because they can't hurt him, and he can just smash zombies until his friends get away. So Janet was in a tougher spot because she didn't have that same kind of capacity. I want, um, I want to defend the romantic piece, um, <laughs> even though I think the reason to not defend it is because Peter's a teenager, Janet is older. They, uh, I mean, even in the superhero world, they would not have connected. But this is an extraordinary circumstance, and so what I experienced in watching it was that she saw this young man. Look, this is an extraordinary, humanity is dying. Suddenly, su- suddenly all this age stuff just kind of goes away because everyone's just kind of going to, you know, kind of collapsing down to the bare minimum of, uh, or, or, you know, the, the, you know, just the bare minimum of, of, of what a society would do where, you know, it's all about survival. It's all about engaging with each other and all this kind of thing. And she just speaks about him in such, in such admiring ways that I actually did see that there was something kind of brewing there um, that would not have that would not have been brewing if there was not an, a zombie apocalypse. I, mean, I don't think that that's unfair what you're saying. I, I, I'd have to watch it again to see if I if I saw that, you know, but I mean, you know, two insects, zombie apocalypse. You know, uh, I suppose, you know, the problem, though, Jason, biologically, is that there are a lot of wasps that parasitize spiders. And maybe that's what you were seeing. She was like, she was going to lay eggs on his paralyzed corpse and they were going to eat Spider-Man from the inside out. Now, maybe there's some love there, but it's pretty toxic, I think. Maybe so, but but they never got the chance to experience that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm suggesting that I saw the possibility that two people who would not have had 
a connection in any other situation, we're beginning to get to one. But I, I don't think that I don't think that that's unfair. I, I just didn't see it. Um, uh, I was I was sort of kind of concentrating on all the zombie craziness. I think probably and Paul Rudd's head maybe distracted me a little bit. So moving on from that, Ani, did you have anything you wanted to add to that, or did you? I still you, disagree. Well. Sometimes that's just the way it is among co-hosts. I was sort of shocked, uh, I guess, on episode eight that they had the stories that we'd seen earlier were building up to a finale. I just sort of thought it was going to be what if I, th- I just thought we were going to go with that what if premise premise from the beginning yeah. of the series to the end. So it was a really pleasant surprise for me. I mean, did you guys see that coming? I didn't see it coming. No, I, did I thought I thought episode eight was the last episode of the season. Oh, which actually I thought would have been really cool because I was like. I, when I first experienced that thought, I was like, oh my God, I was not expecting them to set it up for a second season. Like, that's such a crazy cliffhanger. And I kind of actually, like, season, I mean, episode nine was really cool, but I, I think it kind of would have been cool if we had gotten a second season that was the, that was the fight and the team up between the Guardians of the Multiverse and Uatu against Ultron, like a more extended, because he's so powerful. Yeah. Well, I, I was happy that they gave us part two because I was like, you can't I was I was I was at that point you can't end it here Disney Plus I would I would have been a little mad if I had to wait a season uh, a season break between. but I mean I don't think that you're wrong it, it would have been a great hook but then with Infinity War I do think that it would not have been bad to have a cliffhanger because that's what television is about if you don't like television I mean if you don't like cliffhangers stick movies you know? I, mean, I, I see what Anya's saying and I see what you're saying and I'm not saying either you're wrong in terms of booking people for the next season but guys I would have lost my mind waiting for that season that's the problem and I am glad that Disney Plus thought about me and gave us episode 9 to kind of to kind of wrap it up now episode 9 did frustrate me a little bit uh, so so audience uh, if you haven't like, we're talking because uh, uh, like we know what happened in the series because we we do we are watchers very much like Uwatu so at the end of the show they've created this like master Ultron and he's really badass he gets the Infinity Stones and he attacks Uatu, who, who I don't think I've ever seen Uatu be as uh, awesome as he is in this. He has a, Uatu has a fight in Episode Eight with Ultron Prime or whatever, whatever you want to call this 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 Uber Ultron. You know, uh, it's really cool, but but Uatu doesn't think he can beat Ultron, so he retreats. And I mean, I I do agree with you guys that it would have been crazy to end it there with him in the place where Doctor Strange had been trapped, uh, the Dark Doctor. Doctor Strange is what I always refer to him as in the series, Dark Doctor Strange. And when he gets there, of course, Doctor Strange realizes he's there for help. But that would have been a great way to end it. But I'm glad they didn't end it there. But what I, what I wanted to say was that in episode nine, I was a little frustrated with the plan. So they had this, the, the characters have a plan. And to create tension, the writers did these things that, that certainly succeed in creating tension, but also seem like really manipulative moves. Like when they don't get the stone. Oh, I can't. I can't remember what happens. I mean, do you remember what happens in the at the end? It's sort of the stuff that used to frustrate me in Smallville all the time. Like they have like uh, really smart, really smart characters doing stupid things. Like when Black Widow jumps in, and I'm just like, oh, come the fuck on! And because she she halts their uh, they're about to destroy one of the stones, and she jumps in the way of their their mission. And I'm just like, oh god, we're gonna have this happen here. Sort of like when you got mad about uh, Natasha and uh, Ileana uh, fighting. I was 
her name? That's not right, is it? Yelena. Yelena, sorry. Those Russian names. I've just, I've just lost all of our Russian audience. But when they had that fight, I was just like, uh, this sort of was like what you were talking about when Black Widow comes in and has a fight with the, the Guardians of the Multiverse. And I was like, oh, come on. Just make with the destroying of the stone. It was a lot quicker, though, than the scene in Black Widow. It's true, it's true. But but sometimes that, that well, let's just lever, let's just, let's just get to our... Yeah. A lot of time. Was uh, Ultron there at that point? He wasn't there at that point, but because they had this like little uh, conflict with Black Widow, the guardians of the multiverse, I mean. And uh, then he, he showed up. And they he showed up before they could. Ready or something, right? Exactly, exactly. And I just thought that sort of frustrated me. And I, I so I kept getting worried that they were going to end on another. I, so this is just me as an audience member, and this isn't really a fault of the show. I was just getting like, is this going to end on a downer? Am I going to have to like see the universe destroyed because of stupid decisions that supposedly smart characters are making. I was getting frustrated with some of that. But overall, I really loved all of the action of episode nine, the finale, like, uh, which is one of the benefits, I think, of animation. We get a great wizard battle. Yeah. Like, like we don't like, so there's been there in cinema, there are, there's only one other great wizard battle in all of cinema. <laughs> All right. And that's that's between Dumbledore and he who will not be named. What about Gandalf and the Balrog? No, no, no. Every Gandalf fight sucked. Okay. Jason looks super as, as, a wizard battle, right as a wizard battle. As a wizard battle. Gandalf never does like super cool magic. He doesn't he doesn't do any spells. He does he he's a magical be Jason's look audience, Jason is Jason is about to storm off the set of our, of our posh studios. But but Gandalf doesn't have any wizard battle. He 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 has a he has a magical sword and he's sort of a magical being. But he, he doesn't is a do magical being. When he chases off the wraiths, he he shines a flashlight up in the sky. What about his uh fight with Saruman? No, no wizard. It's, it's 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 a it's it's not a wizard battle. It's a kung fu fight. Is it because you can't see the magic? Together. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Audience, I, I I think I stepped on Jason's audio a little bit there. Could you repeat that profound question you just asked me? What the hell are you talking about? They don't touch each other. There's no kung fu. They're uh, they're they're firing pockets of magic at each other, and it's uh, it's very violent. It's it, it it's in, it has Christopher Lee in it. <laughs> it automatically gives it like five points. <laughs> Like you grade it on a curve, Jason. This what the hell are you talking about? It's not. It's not visually very amazing. You could have got. You could have got the same effect by filming you and I on the playground in fourth grade, like going poof, poof, and we would have like been acting and falling down. We would have looked exactly. Jason, are you you're frozen? Are you are you? They're you... not frozen. I, I I was trying to create that illusion. <laughs> wrong. That I I am I am uh, I'm amazed. I love the films, but it's not a great wizard fight. There's only one. There's only one other great wizard fight in all of cinema, and that is Dumbledore and Voldemort. And then there is this fight. Uh, <laughs> At, at the end of, of What If with Doctor Strange and Doctor Ultron. Are you saying that they're not good wizard fights because you can't see the fun magic in the air? You can't see the fun magic in the air. <laughs> 
You can't see. Well, no, I mean, because like, because think, you about, can't, like think about all angry. the stuff that Dumbledore does and, and Voldemort do to each other. Um, you're angry because you can't see the pretty colors. Well, I mean, that's that's magic, right? I mean, you, spells have things that happen. Like when you when you when you fire off your magic rockets, you definitely want to see something happen, you know, but but you could have got the same effect. I swear to you guys, Jason and I and any any kids who played, you know, you're looking at like fourth to sixth grade having these fake magic force fights or like when we played Star Wars blasting each other with blasters we didn't have you could have got the same effect of of Christopher Lee as magnificent as he is (laughs) Jason's aiming his blaster at me here I don't know what's going on I think you're being really insulting to Christopher Lee right now I would never never be insulting to Christopher Lee you were just like that scene has the amount of power as a fourth grader on a playground and you're talking about Christopher Lee and Ian McKellen. Okay, so, so, so they're definitely so they, lies, my friend. They're both sirs, aren't they? Yes. Okay, so so I have to admit that they do elevate fourth grade play to a higher level. No. All right, audience, I've been defeated on on my on my assessment. Oh, no, not yet. That's coming. I I I, I editing. That's what was missing on the fourth grade playground is Fair enough. Fair because enough. because what makes what makes the the wizard fight between Saruman and Gandalf great is cut 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 and it w- which creates a great deal of tension which is why that scene which is very boring in the book which is I think is told in flashback yeah. but 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 in the movie it is very exciting because it's because it's edited very well it is it is I I, I don't disagree with that um, but it's nothing compared to the fight between Voldemort. And- Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, fine. But if you're going to say, if you're going to say that this what if cartoon is better than that. I am going to say that the that this is better than the fight in, in Lord of the Rings. He multiplies Mjolnir. Did you not see that? He dropped a mountain of zombies on Ultron and left. Oh, you're right. No, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. What? They checked. You no. just fought so hard. And, and and we need to accept Max has pointed out that the Matrix reloaded showed how, how action scenes should be done. Just multiply some bullshit and throw it on the hero, and that's a great scene. It's great. It's great in what? this. What are you talking about? No, <laughs> no. All right, audience. Uh I will definitely edit in uh Jason's agreement with me on this point. Um, I didn't expect to get so much resistance here, audience. <laughs> I didn't expect you would have such a wrong opinion. (laughs) What what are you talking about? Leaping aside Jason's position on this uh, (laughs) and my epic uh, correctness. when you guys admit though that this is a pretty great fight, it's a pretty great episode nine is a pretty great way to close out the show. I did think that. (laughs) I'm rethinking it now. <laughs> um, let's let Anya let's let Anya take a little bit of episode nine so Jason and I have time to go back to our corners and cool down a little bit this is the most heated we've been since his uh, since his now luckily deleted defense of Batman and Robin which I saved you guys from <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding Jason Jason would never defend Batman and Robin um, uh, I would what, what? 
Well, that's that's I'm what tempted to go down that, that rabbit hole, but we're not going to at the moment. It has sentimental value. Well, you can't argue against sentimental value. That's <laughs> well, I, I thought you were gonna say that it's well, it's an objectively fine movie. Then then it's an objective happen. masterpiece <laughs> of filmmaking. <laughs> Anya, what did you what what stood out to you about episode nine? No, she she's still reeling from our battle, Jason. Uh, All right. Let me let me think about this. Okay. Um, Do I need to get another drink? <laughs> no. People who don't know you and just listen to the podcast are going to think you guys are alcoholics or something. <laughs> or or they already knew that. Or <laughs> You guys get up like four times a podcast and like, oh, hold on a second. I got to refill my glass. <laughs> I mostly edit out. Oh, he cuts, he cuts all that out. <laughs> I, I cut out all of our refills for the most part. Get my whiskey and put my fancy little ice cube in it. I don't. I haven't okay. put any fancy ice cubes in my whiskey. For me, while you guys sort of think and while Anya thinks about her her position, I just really liked the, the 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 flow of the action in this scene. I thought it was great. I thought we got to see a lot of everybody doing a lot of fun things. I, I thought that it had a very logical flow. That even though the action is very fast, they they explained what was going to happen pretty well, so we could kind of see what was what was we could follow it. It, it wasn't a hodgepodge that didn't make any sense. So I thought it was quite exciting. Even, even though I got frustrated a couple times with the making smart characters do dumb things bit, but that happens a lot in films. So. I really liked Natasha in these episodes. The episode where her and Clint are just palling around trying to save what little is left of the world, I thought was really powerful in the way that Clint went out. And, um, and I almost liked that more than Natasha's death in Endgame. Well, one of the things I, I one of the things I dug about this series overall is they do a lot of this pretty subtly, not and not always subtly, but this they did really subtly where they inverted the sacrifice that we'd seen in other films. It was not subtle. <laughs> I thought it was kind. Of, I thought they built up. What I mean is they built up to the to the to the switch subtly. I didn't see it coming. I didn't. I didn't see what. I didn't see that that was going to be something that was going to have to be done. And mm-hmm. so I was like, oh gosh, they just gave us a moment from an earlier MCU thing, but they inverted it in a way. And, and I guess what I mean by subtle is in a way that was a believable inversion. Something very interesting because Anya felt that it was not subtle. You felt that it was subtle, and I didn't even notice it. I I was moved by what they did. I liked you know the whole idea that Hawk guy he has nothing else to live for he's perfectly willing to die and so when the moment comes he's like well I, you know i kind of told you that you know i got i got nothing left mm-hmm. i did not make that connection so uh so i guess that i would agree with max that it was that that it was subtle because it was subtle enough that i didn't even make the connection of the inversion really okay yeah i i i actually i mean yeah two of them together their connection the fact that they would die for each other the fact that that you know, both of them, um, ha- both of them have the uh, the red in their ledger, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But uh, so you know, I knew all of that, but I didn't make the connection to the inversion, uh, the uh, the comparison or contrast that you guys are suggesting. That was you know from Endgame. I I actually that was not something that really registered. Well, I know a lot of people that just haven't been happy in general with the way that Black Widow has been depicted in like the most recent movies. So it's something that I was aware of. With, with Infinity War and I don't know it's just something that I'm aware of watching the, the show because 
I'm around that much dialogue that I was like, oh, like, are they trying to appease the people that were so angry about Black Widow's death and just like were, the way that, that she was ended? Were there people who were angry about her death in Endgame? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I can't think of like an example right now, but like, I, I think so. Like, okay. uh, I, I, a, lot of, I, a lot of people were like, it should have been Hawkeye. I mean, I suppose that in terms of like character importance, I suppose that would have made some sense. I mean, and you would have certainly expected that just knowing how Renner hasn't always been happy doing these movies you know maybe he would have said hey kill me off he's like the Harrison Ford of the MCU mm-hmm. wow. like all that being said I did think that the scene where he sacrificed himself was still really powerful like I still got chills oh in in this in this what if yeah like it that that dialogue and, and those conversations don't like lessen the impact of, of that episode for me or anything oh, oh, good 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 well I, I'm happy to hear that I mean I, I thought it was subtle I, I I can I but I can see you know how you would say say well they've obviously inverted it i just thought that they led up to it in a way that shocked me oh oh, that's neat i didn't see that coming i liked like it's obviously very different situations like they have to either kill one of themselves to get the soul stone and in this one it was like i'm gonna do this so that you can go on and i liked the way they did it in this one more because um i don't know you can see that clint is deeply depressed and the only thing he is holding on to or holding out for is is natasha yeah. And so it, it was just, it was a different angle that I thought was a little more emotionally compelling than the fight on Vormir and then the drop and stuff. No. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I could see that. Jason, sorry, go ahead. No, I I, I would say I agree with that. Um, I liked the scene in Endgame, um, but I don't necessarily think that it was uh, jaw-dropping. I mean, it was important to me because uh, because the Widow was, you know, one of my favorite characters. Her relationship with Clint is, you know, a very important connection that I think that the films did very well. But, but I would agree with you i think that this was um this was a great moment in kind of a uh, dystopian kind of sci-fi way um and probably probably the best scene in this uh, episode well i i think that the dystopia in this film is in this uh part of the film uh, uh, the series rather um is really profound i mean like we come to find out that like they're just in it to destroy ultron because there's not any evidence that there's anyone left on earth i i was kind of profoundly saddened by that i kind of understood where barton was coming from yeah you know like it's unlikely that these two are going to repopulate the earth if they just if they if they save if they if they destroy ultron so they were just in it to destroy him because I knew he was up to no good. Right. Which comes back at the end of this series, which we'll talk about later when when all the Guardians are going to be sent back to their times without any, not all of the Guardians, are going to be sent back to their time uh, from which they came. Where do we want to go from here? What, what Do we want to tell what happens? Do we want to say that the Guardians saved the multiverse? You just did. Oh, shit. I gave it's over. It. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, uh, what, audience, at the end of the show, of course, the Uatu uh, is a master. For a guy who doesn't get involved, he's thought a lot about how he would get involved. I can only think in the Earth six what is it 616 Anya mm-hmm. which is the main Marvel universe it's uh, like comic book continuity yeah, the main comic book continuity Uatu has, has gotten involved a handful of times do you do you, do either of you know when he's gotten involved well he got involved when Galactus showed up um, he gave them the ultimate nullifier which which is, which is what you do when Galactus shows up audience quick note about this the sublime script for the issues uh, in which Fantastic Four 
before fight Galactus. Do you know what, do, do either of you know what Stan Lee wrote? I know what he wrote. What the script, what the script said for those issues. He said, Fantastic Four fights God. And then Jack Kirby created a masterpiece after that. And then Stan Lee went back and filled in all of the speech bubbles. Had you heard that, Jason? No, I, no, I hadn't. Anyway, audience, take that knowledge and go forth. <laughs> So where were we? You're asking, where should we go next? Oh shit, we're still there. Where should we go next? <laughs> um, so 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 they defeat Ultron. Audience, if you haven't seen it, go go watch that. And at the end of it, Uatu is basically sending the heroes that are oh, left. Wait, oh sorry, wait. go ahead. Well, be- after they defeat Ultron in the past, in episode eight and nine, Killmonger has been being real sketchy in the background. Yes. And he go ahead, keep going, keep going. Are you sure? Sounds like you wanted to interrupt me and say something. No. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't want to interrupt you. Wonderful. You got to get used to that, Anya. <laughs> child. Go ahead and tell us what you were going to say, and then I will ask my question. Okay. What I was going <laughs> uh, Well, no, because he, he gets like a vibranium piece of Ultron or something, which attracts the Infinity Stones to him after Natasha and Captain Carter shot the um, Zola virus into Ultron. And then they have a little fight, and um, Killmonger is like, we should do something um, awesome with these stones and then that's kind of when Star-Lord T'Challa realizes he's not a good person and like it was like I thought in a cool scene and then um, what happens how does he get destroyed? Well he doesn't get destroyed what what happens is Ultron returns and they start having this like little tug of war for the stones and that's when Dark Doctor Strange realizes oh Watu didn't want us to, to defeat Ultron he wanted them to get locked in this tug of war and he wanted me to take them back to my dark dimension mm-hmm. and watch and become a watcher himself uh, essentially over yeah, these so depressing because he's in that weird little dimension for eternity yeah yeah but now he has now he gets to watch these morons sl- do this to each other for eternity that'll be entertaining <laughs> maybe Uwatu will bring him some movies occasionally um, but Uwatu had sort of foreseen that Killmonger was going to betray them and that would give them an opportunity to ensnare both Ultron and Killmonger as they fought for the stones and banished them to the dark dimension with Doctor Strange. Dark Doctor Strange. But so after that, Watu, you know, basically says, you guys are going to go home. You guys are going to go back to the exact moment when I left you. And uh, all of them go back and we see these kind of cool little vignettes of, of T'Challa finding Peter Quill. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of neat. And there's, so there's a lot of nice little epilogues there. But, but then there's this really cool moment where the hero that started us off, Captain Carter, and the hero that we meet at the end, Black Widow, have their little hero moments. But but uh, Carter's getting ready to say, hey, could you send me back to... World War II. Yeah, I think she's going to ask for that. Again, he's getting involved, but I bet he could find a loophole. Well, I didn't, because he says, they need you where you go. They need you back in your time. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's kind of interesting about the Captain Carter episode is that she's become BFF with, with Black Widow. That was, I thought that was kind of a neat touch. It was uh, cute. It was cute. I like that. I, I, I accept cute. I think that's a great description. <laughs> And then Carter goes back to her time and, and there'll be a nice payoff for that. But I really liked that Black Widow was unwilling to leave this bar, mm-hmm. this pocket universe bar. And she's like, I'm not going back. There's nothing there. No one is there. And mm-hmm. this is where Watu does a nice thing for her, I thought. But I, I, I felt really bad for Natasha in this moment because like I was I was kind of worried that Watu was going to make her go back to that world. I was know? too. 
But instead he he says, here's a world in which Black Widow, the Black Widow of this world has died, but you can, you can, how about you come here? And I thought that was really touching. And then of course we get the nice touching bit where <laughs> Jason doesn't like this. Jason isn't very satisfied with some of the Captain Carter elements where Captain Carter goes back and they find the- The Hydra Stomper. The Hydra Stomper, yeah. And the, the Steve Rogers uniform and they think he's in it, I think, right? They, Natasha's like, and there's someone in it. And there's someone in it. They don't say who. Mm-hmm. So could be anybody, Jason. It might not be Steve. You, you might not need to get, you might not need to wave your finger of righteousness here at us, Jason. Are you, are you angry be, about that? It could be I, anybody. I, I actually do have a problem with the ending. Because, uh, you know, you just said that he did a nice thing for Natasha and he, he gave her a new universe that needed a Black Widow. But I kind of feel like that there's, the reason there's a problem is that we have seen the Watcher be quite an asshole to people who asked him for help and now suddenly well i'm you know i'm going to i'm go- i'm going to violate my oath and captain carter asks him for something and he refuses it you know your time needs you but he gives widow something which is an additional violation that has nothing to do with what he's done so far so far he has violated his oath to defeat ultron he now violates it again by allowing Natasha to go to a universe where she does not belong. So he's actually, he's picking and choosing now. He's violated his oath, but it's not, okay, just this once. He's now deciding, well, you know, I know that you want Steve and all this kind of thing, but you need to go there. And uh, but you, this universe needs a Black Widow. So now now he's compounding his oath-breaking. I don't respect that. Okay, well, I think the only reason, I have a couple things. I think the only reason he didn't send her back to World War II is because he knew that he she was just about to find Steve again in her reality. And then also, I don't think, I mean, all of these people just saved all of the realities ever like i feel like natasha and all these people are special cases because they are aware of this multiverse now and they also just saved all of like reality well i just don't think it's that crazy that he lets her have this after she just saved all of the universes so we could make the case to jason that this part of his action is just a bigger it's it's just more of the same oath break that he did earlier it's not a separate oath breaking incident it's all part of a single oath breaking incident Jason. he's the watcher and he knew all of this was going to happen anyways he knew a lot of, i mean i don't know if he knew it was all going to happen i think he he was a very good student of the realities and he had some good ideas about what was going to happen so n- now i think one could defend this as an interesting character development of the watcher and maybe maybe they'll go with this but to me the problem is well, I, I broke my oath once. Now, now that I've done that, now that I've crossed that Rubicon, now I can be like, well, you know, Peggy, if you just just, just go with it, you're, you're actually going to get what you want. That time needs you. But you, uh, widow, you know, I mean, there's another time that needs a widow and I'm going to put you there. Now, see, you guys are saying that that was one, that's one oath-breaking event. I would suggest that it is not. That actually, um, he broke Broke his oath once, and now he's and now he's got a taste for it. He's more like a he's more like a serial killer. That's, uh, that's, that's the wrong analogy. I think I know where you're going, but 
I think I think I think that that might be the wrong place to go with your analogy. I was impulsive. I I I'm proud of it. But no, I I no, but I I actually think it's accurate. I think if you take the oath seriously and remember that the dark Doctor Strange, as you said, begged. Uh, I made a mistake. Do something. Can't do it. Sorry. Well, so he so now he's in the habit of picking and choosing who he helps, what time periods he helps, who he decides, you know, you're all right. You know, this period needs a widow. I'm going to put you there. Oh, Captain Carter, you know, you want to go back to World War II. And even though I've broken my oath and I could send you there, I know that you're going to get good stuff. So and, and there's going to be good things. So I'm going to go. Ahead. But the implication is, is that if she wasn't going to get that, then maybe he would have put, given her her wish for the reason that you said. They just saved the universe. They deserved it. In other words, the Watcher is now finding reasons to break his oath more. So, no, I... I I actually think that there's something that's right about what you're saying, but what I, I want to suggest is that the show built this crisis into the Watcher over the course of the series. Because there are several episodes where Watu contemplates getting involved. He contemplates helping Strange. He contemplates stopping or trying to stop Ultron earlier on. Um, now, he's forced into defending himself, but that, of course, causes him to sort of revisit some of the issues that he's had, that he's been having with just watching so i think that the show is built in his struggle now some uh, his struggle in watching and not being involved which is something that watu has had to deal with of course in the what if book itself and of course in the comic book uh, in the regular mainline continuity of marvel universe my question to you guys both and i wanted to pose this to you at the when i was watching the final show the finale is what the watcher does just watching is that oath worth taking or is it worth is it worth upholding is it moral for uatu to do nothing i'm asking both of you that so so that's my question is it moral for uatu to do nothing i don't know i think obviously with a character like that he's going to do something because they always do yeah uh, when the dire his, his oath is to protect the multiverse also that's i don't think that's his oath his oath is to watch but all of reality was going to get destroyed yeah he would have nothing to watch if all of reality got destroyed but that that's not the oath that the Watchers take. Uatu is making a very conscious decision to defend reality, to defend the stories that he watches. In the same way that Jason and I would destroy any enemy that tried to destroy cinema, uh, right? Not only would it destroy our podcast because we would have nothing to watch, but these are their stories worth telling and worth seeing. Uh, and so, so I know Jason would nuke nuke any of these enemies who would destroy all of cinema uh, across the multiverse. But is it moral to just watch? Give it. I mean, we see that Uwatu has great power. Like, well, he almost defeats Ultron. No, it's not moral, but that's a very deep and complicated question. Well, that's why I, I, thought, you guys could... were, I yeah. thought you guys were capable of handling it. I apologize. That's like, I don't know. It makes me think about, like, if a... <laughs> There's a cat in my face. Yeah, everybody. Audience, Anya's cat, who's caused a lot of trouble today. Is this the cat that's caused all the trouble? No, this cat is, is very chill. It doesn't look very chill. It looks very needy. Um, no, today, Jason, um, my cat unplugged my Wi-Fi. 
Look at this. Wait, hold on. Let me make sure I can get it here. Any, any, any host of the, the uh, Max and Jason Watch a Movie podcast needs to guard their Wi-Fi from their cats. Jason has a zebra skin rug here. Oh, God. It's it's looks like your cat. <laughs> he does. You guys look like you got your cats from the same place. Yeah. No, this morning my kitten peed on my bed, knocked over the water bowl, unplugged the Wi-Fi, and somehow got poop on the couch. It was still alive. (laughs) (laughs) You say Anya's still alive? I mean, clearly she is. I had a terrible morning because of a tiny kitten. It's awful when our pets destroy our mornings. It, uh, well, it's all bluster on my part because actually uh, the Max and Jason Watch a Movie podcast is actually legendary what my cats have done to infants. I felt so stupid for yelling stop at a cat. It's, it's not very useful. <laughs> yeah. Was- I I can attest to that. So what you guys need is a squirt gun. I'm getting one. I, I, I actually have an answer, Max, to your question. Is well, it- I had an answer, too but then the cat got in my face <laughs> I'll, I'll try to go first I mean uh, and, then, and then you can go um, I, th- I think one of the problems with the watcher is that his oath is to watch now you kind of in what you just said Max you just kind of built in this exception that well I mean they're and destroy what he's watching. Well, we can't have that. And, and I would say that, or I would suggest that it kind of makes his oath break. To me, it makes his oath breaking kind of less respectable because he had all these characters beg for help. And uh, yeah, I can't do that. Oh my God. Now, now they've discovered me. Oh, we, somebody has to do something. So to me, it was very self-serving that it was only when he was threatened because Ultron actually discovered him and he, and that he actually was like well you know what what we need is a super team of people who i would screw over in a second to save me so actually i i am very cynical about well, you're shaking your head i am shaking my head a little bit because i don't i i just i don't see his i don't see cynicism in his movements and i don't think that the narrative that we're given justifies taking a cynical position i mean i'm in the middle of something brilliant just hold your horses there so i i don't know if cynicism is justified now if it was anybody else i would would I don't think I could push back really. I think that the cynicism you feel is a very justifiable human reaction to what happens, but I don't know if that's who watch you. I, I mean, I could be convinced, you know, but but I know you had something to say. Uh, you were trying to interrupt my brilliance. Go on. Well, okay, so with when he doesn't help Dark Doctor Strange, I think it's different because the, that guy had been told to stop what he was doing multiple times throughout the episode, and like he even saw Owatu like halfway through the the episode like i don't remember exactly what, what he heard but but it was different because everyone told him to stop and he kept doing it and he destroyed that reality on his own because of one person and i think that's different and also it's implied later on that even though Uatu didn't do anything to reverse that reality he still went and visited that guy in the dimension like like it was implied that they have had chats and that they're friends. What we see over the course of What If is we sort of see Uwatu struggling with what's the right thing to do in these situations. When should I get involved? Now, I think clearly if reality is going to be destroyed, Uwatu sort of thinks, okay, maybe this is a time that I need to violate my oath. Sort of like, you know, violating the Prime Directive is sometimes a necessity. Audience, I'm sure you know what the Prime Directive is. (laughs) 
you're listening to this podcast you you know what the prime directive is i kind of think of like uatu is like seems like god right but he seems like a problematic i'm not like exactly problematic but like a, like a flawed person who has just been put in this position so it's it's interesting because you can see that there are times when he wants to interact and i don't know i just he's just this powerful being that is like he's supposed to be watching which is also this unethical thing because if you have the power to help like why shouldn't you help and it's i don't know it's that's it's yeah, interesting that's sort of my problem with all of the watchers is they have the power to help and they but that's just like that's like what makes me think of, of god like yeah 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 yeah. no no i it's 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 absolutely valid but it, it just like in this yeah. oh, sorry well in this is just he he's a person too yeah like yeah i don't know the watcher is pure objectivity i just watch there's no judgment i just observe but it it's not pure objectivity because he is flawed in his directive like he clearly is not objective about the stories and the people he watches which is perhaps his own illusion mm -hmm. so you know i mean i mean maybe that's the story of the watcher is that is that uh you know the watchers kind of are think of themselves as kind of like these godlike beings who just watch and have no connection to any of it but i but i think that's the point that i'm trying to make in my criticism of him is that and, and even though i i would grant i think you both said that he was more involved than he thought uh or or, or you know just he, he was more involved than he was aware of that that um you know he, he he did try to rescue the dark doctor strange and then and then had chats with him and, and and was really quite connected to him and it was only when he was threatened that he discovered that maybe he was not pure uh objectivity as much as he thought but maybe but maybe you y'all are right that that we viewers kind of already be, had begun to sense that before then well, that's what that's what i thought i i i don't think that the watchers simply intervened because he was in danger he did it because everybody was in danger um like i think i i, I could be wrong but i think if it had just been ultron finding uachu and killing him i don't think that he would have gotten anybody else to stop his own death but i okay. think since everybody else was at risk because the, the the thing that's happened is that Ultron discovers the multiverse and that's what prompted Uatu to act I think it would be interesting to know what the rest of the Uatu, the, the watchers think of his well, action I, I remember reading something that Uatu is like one of the more rebellious of the okay. watchers he certainly violated his oath more than once yeah I'd be curious the two of you because, because uh, I mean Anya I know you're a great artist and Max I'm, I, if I remember right you're well I'm a terrible artist. <laughs> I'm not good at all. So you guys are both better than me. We should talk, we should comment about the art, the, the animation. Let's do. I was actually quite astounded by it uh, because because of how it channeled the Watcher, certainly channeled Jack Kirby. Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of that kind of art form, that early Marvel kind of art. Yeah. Um, but I also kind of felt like that this was kind of a very, 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 very updated version of the 1960s Marvel cartoon series, which was kind Kind of like moving comic panels. Okay. Allow me to cut in here really quickly, audience. It's important that you hear at least some of the soundtrack from those early 60s cartoons from Marvel. And here's the theme song to Thor from 1964, I think. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming
now this was not that this was not just moving comic panels no um but it was definitely comic it was moving comic art you know what i mean i thought that it was definitely channeling and trying to imitate a lot of marvel comic art u.s sort of western comic art which i appreciated it wasn't disney art it wasn't trying to be manga or wasn't anime or anything like that it was definitely trying to imitate some of that you know kind of great uh uh kind of i guess north for lack of a better term american comic art i think right um there were even elements and this is especially true in the party thor episode that almost seemed to be channeling the fleischer superman cartoons of the late 40s and early 50s i i thought i really appreciated the art and i i kind of i'm glad you brought it up because i had meant to myself but it it was a lot of whiskeys ago when i had that thought (laughs) shut up liver but but i i've always wanted disney i i I don't know what is i mean i guess i know what has taken so long for them to pair up is licensing and 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 various economic uh and franchise issues but i've always wondered why disney didn't say we could make a fortune adapting marvel to animation and it's been neat to see disney sort of play in this disney and marvel getting together to do an animated series because i think i think that's an untapped uh market uh, that that disney could really pursue on the big screen and, and continue with other cartoons which they've been doing i guess for a little bit with some of their other animated series but this is this is a premiere animated series that they did and i i i, I don't know i just i really like the art all around ani did you did you see any specific influences uh like jason's just mentioned jack kirby yeah i don't know if i would say i saw any specific influences that come to mind at the moment but just looking at the screen caps of all of the the episodes they could all easily be comic book panels like there's close-ups and there's establishing shots and even the way that it's shaded like it's it's not cell shading but it's it's not like super complicated either yeah like and also like the way it's colored is is very reminiscent of modern day comic books like right now so yeah i mean so it's 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 a it's a very good adaptation of comic art to animation you think i think so like if you if you picked up a comic book right now like one of the like x-men issues that are coming out at the moment i don't think it could be super different than like a um a a screenshot of one of these episodes no i think i think that's right i think that's right it's also definitely trying to kind of capture some of the, the kind of classic images of these characters from their comic book pages and the actors who are now playing these characters. So I thought it did a really good job of taking those kinds of things and blending them together. Did you guys see that with my hand signals that I was guiding you through my thought patterns? No, I, I, it, was a, it was a good point to bring up. I love the art in the in this film and I, and I thought that it was really, I thought all of the animation was really well imagined. So no, I, I thought it was great. Jason, did you have any other thoughts about the art? No, I I, I loved it. Actually, and, and the episode that I saw more than once, the art was more impactful the second time than it was the first time. I The series does, I think, recommend repeated viewings. I haven't seen all the episodes more than once, but I've seen some of them, and the episodes that I did see more than once were better the second time. Jason's score. Jason scored the score. I did notice the music. I, I felt the music channeled the films very well. There was, uh, the music was always appropriate. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just thought it was very well done. I, I noticed it quite a lot, and I enjoyed it. I, I actually didn't do a independent listen. No, no, I I, I didn't expect you would. Uh, yeah, but 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 I did. But I did notice it, and it was always appropriate to whatever story they were going towards. And I, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. Audience, this was sort of an impromptu 
look at what if. Uh, so I'm going to do an abbreviated version of the verdict. I, 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 before we do that, is there anything that you think you want to add? Is there anything you've left out? Anything profound you want to leave the audience with? No, I don't think so. <laughs> excellent, excellent. So my verdict is see the show, guys. Whether you uh, you'll like it, whether you like if you, if you like animation, see it. I think you'll enjoy the show. If you like Marvel, see the show. Jason, I think that my own verdict would be very positive, almost great, but not quite. But that's not necessarily a criticism because to me, what I like about most of the episodes is that this is not Avengers Endgame. This is not Tony Stark sacrificing himself and creating this great dramatic moment because most of the MCU that we've seen are all about big stories. Well, these are big stories too, but they're stories that we've already seen just recast a little bit. And so to, to me, what the ep- and this is reflected in the episodes that I like, except for that ghastly Thor one, that these episodes are all about big stories that we've seen before done in a different way. It's almost like just a little distraction with, with very traditional, very creative animation, very good music, as I said, bringing back most of the voices, most of the performers from the films. Um, it's actually almost very random, the people who chose not to come back. The fact that Natalie Portman would not agree to come back or, or would agree to come back, but Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. would not is something that is a bit confusing when you consider the fact that Natalie Portman, if you chose a, a, a thespian from the MCU who had been very, very vocal about their their dissatisfaction with the MCU, she would be in the top five of people who kind of kind of didn't want to be part of it anymore. I know she's going to be in the next Thor film, but the fact that she came back for this cartoon for a role that is not really in keeping with the character that I think Jane Foster is and that I think that she thinks Jane Foster is uh, is kind of astounding but I would recommend this to anybody who's a fan of comic books uh, comic books from from that period who maybe remember the What If series fans of the MCU this is a really really good comic series that that I think anyone would enjoy and you should see it yeah I, I agree I think it's it's nice because it feels smaller scale but it's like a really nice way to for the marvelous come up with to explore like characters in different ways that's not such like high stakes and like you don't have to wait you know yeah yeah it's it's nice that's the verdict so before we before we close out and what we might do next and whatnot did anybody else get choked up when chadwick boseman made his when it was his voice when he was like oh my god chadwick boseman's back i got choked up guys i I won't even lie i didn't realize that it was him yeah i was like he must have signed on for that way early on and they must have been working on this for quite a while no no um i i you know, you asked for production notes. They had they had a lot of this in the can already before the pandemic, and that was before he died. Yeah. And we didn't bring this up. I had to look this up because I I was really like, did I miss an episode that the the Gamora from the final episode was from an episode that was never completed because of the pandemic? Oh, okay, okay, okay. So so Jason should have mentioned that earlier. I should have. I failed. Lord, okay. I, was right about, I, I was right about everything else though. <laughs> The Lord TV will forgive you for for <laughs> Jason. What are we watching next? I don't know. Are you going to call an audible again? Anything's possible, my friend. 
Um, well, we we do still have Star Trek the Motion Picture in the queue. Yeah. I'm ready to watch it. I'm ready to watch it too. Audience, apparently neither of us are actually ready to watch it. And what we will be watching next week is Dune, the new version, the new interpretation of Frank Herbert's classic novel. So join us when we tackle that film. We'll get around to Star Trek the Motion Picture eventually. Anya, where can people find you? On Solo, on Instagram, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right, all right. Everybody, share us on all the things, the social medias, uh, uh, the Facebook, which is in a lot of trouble right now, which is a good thing. We're trying to bring the downfall of society. That's right, that's right. But maybe they'll improve. Uh, share us on the Twitters, which is also a cesspool, but less damaging to the information ecosystem, maybe. I don't know. Audience, this isn't a political podcast. It's not a current affairs podcast, and I apologize for doing that. Uh, share us with your friends via SMS messaging or app, uh, iMessenger or whatever it is you fucking do to share things with your people. You can reach out to me at The Supper Test on Twitter, where I say profound things. Uh, you can reach out to us, though you never do, at lordmovies.gmail lordmovies39.gmail.com at, at gmail.com gmail. 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 sorry. Audience, Jason suggested that I drink a lot of whiskey for this episode, so this is where we're at. And next week we will be tackling Star Trek... No, no, no. Tackling Dune. Pretty soon I'm going to have to add a parenthetical for our co-host Anya. Uh, Max and Jason and Anya watch <laughs> a movie or talk about a TV show. Audience, that's it for me and Jason and Anz Solo uh, from Planet Earth to Captain Kirk. Alright guys, night. Night. Bye-bye. We were all alive at a time when Captain Kirk was not on this earth.